Welcome to Glass Houses, a Billy Joel podcast. I'm Michael Grosvenor. And I'm Jack Frenino. Join us as we dig deep into Billy Joel's songs and history and what his music has meant to us. Part of me wants to go back because it was such um, an exhilarating experience for us and for the people that we played for. But that was at that time. I have no delusions now that it's the same time. There was a, this was a time of hope. It was right on the cutting edge of Glasnost and Perestroika. There was a feeling of optimism and hope and youth and vigor and progress and uh, things were gonna, were gonna get better and we, the world was gonna be made right. In 1987, Billy Joel and his band embarked on an unprecedented tour of the Soviet Union. And, when the original documentary, A Matter of Trust, came out, fans got a behind-the-scenes look at what turned out to be a controversial career move. At the time, the country was still under communist rule, shrouded in secrecy, and to put it mildly, deeply mistrusted by the West. Even many of Billy's fans opposed the tour, going as far as booing him at concerts when he announced the trip. But Billy and his companions were greeted by warm, welcoming people behind the Iron Curtain. And they were introduced to a rich culture steeped in centuries of tradition that was also evolving with the latest trends and styles found in the United States and Europe. These people and interactions turned out to be the focus of the tour and film that documented it, along with plenty of performance footage, including a well-known onstage catastrophe. The bulk of the footage is Billy and the band meeting families, new friends, and fellow musicians from the other side of the world. For this episode, we're reviewing the original documentary from 1987, with a new introduction added in 1991. We're thinking about how the behind-the-scenes footage informs the performances, and what it's like watching a meeting of disparate cultures today in 2023. Join us as we dig deep into a matter of trust. Are you nervous? Is it a, a very big challenge in your career to, to come to Moscow, to Leningrad? Yes, it definitely is. Uh, the translation, uh, some of the meanings of things will be completely different. Между известным американским певцом, композитором, исполнителем Билли Джоэлом. Извините, I don't, I don't, I don't not. I don't speak any English either. This is the first time that we, that someone's brought the whole kit and caboodle here. This is like bringing Madison Square Garden here. Billy Joel's tour of Russia was monumental in a lot of ways and surprising to him, quite controversial. Billy went into this tour with purest of intentions, but as me media and governments do, things get politicized really easily. People at first had a hard time understanding that Billy wanted to go play music in Russia. It would go on record as being one of his most important tours of his lifetime and one that was closest to him in a personal way for all the inconveniences that I'm sure it cost everyone. I'm so glad that this was documented and released here tonight. We're going to be going through the original documentary as it aired in 1991. We've covered this in part before. We did uh, an episode on the Russia tour itself back in 2020. And, you know, we've done a lot of commenting there about what it's like to look at the political climate back then versus now. Um, and that was that was a, a scant three years ago, and uh, uh, we could say a lot of the same stuff again. Certainly, uh, maybe with a little more gusto. Unfortunately, it does feel a little weird to be recording this episode now, but at the same time, it's it's worth looking at what's going on today through a different lens, even if we're not going to go that route necessarily. This is one of those documentaries that people need to see more often. Because it really breaks <laughs> down the barrier of governments and nations and all of this and really shows people connecting over music and people of different backgrounds connecting with one another at its purest form and forming these beautiful friendships. It really is a great thing to see unfold in this documentary, something that I think would bode well for a lot of people to take to heart. Yeah, and those friendships are, in a lot of ways... You're front and center here, um, 
And what I liked about this, viewing it a little more critically than before, was how this is set up as a series of vignettes. There's no, there's no climax to this. There's no turn. Um, there was certainly, you know, built-in drama challenges with the sound, challenges with the lighting, challenges with Billy's voice that could have been spotlighted for dramatic tension. And director Martin Bell chose not to focus on those things, and he really highlighted the relationships here. We get little glimpses of the, of the band interaction. We see Billy with Christy and Alexa Ray. And, of course, we see uh, Billy and the band interacting with the people they meet in Russia. Even though there are a few spots that could have been climactic points concert-wise, they come and they go, and they, and they happen in these, in these little segments. It gives it more of a behind-the-scenes feel. It gives it more of a tour diary feel. Which is funny because at one point late in the documentary, as Billy's about to walk on stage, he says, it's just another show. Not in a deprecating way. Right. To kind of like keep himself grounded in, you know, in a way of like, you know, not to get psyched out. It's just another show. And so to treat the documentary like just another tour makes it more insightful because it allowed it to focus on the people and not the spectacle. Instead of just focusing on the performances in general, it focused on this Ben and Billy going into a new country that had never seen him live and having to adjust on the fly. I love that part of it. And so that was way more evident than just it being live performances. Uh, so with that, let's, uh, let's jump in. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. I kind of uh, charted this out as uh, the, the beginning revolves essentially around the song Leningrad. It does so in a clever way where we start off with Billy playing it in what we figure is his house. He's just sort of playing it on the piano. Uh, and then he starts talking about the tour a little. There's some nice uh, juxtaposition here, which I wasn't going to say because it's such a highfalutin filmy thing to say, but I found myself coming up with plenty of other things to say later, so I'll say it here. <laughs> yeah, uh, There's a lot of sort of side-by-side stuff that they kind of sneak in here in a way. You know, that if you kind of drill down to a, a few phrases he used, he says, it was a time of hope, and then that hasn't happened. And five years later people forget and then kind of culminates that with you were, you just want to go see some rock and roll. We're talking about the shows. We're talking about meeting Victor. Uh, we're seeing footage of Alexa rain and it's a nice setup where he says, you know, you don't want your kid growing up in the cold war. Also, you know, there's a lot of heavy stuff up front. Essentially it gives us the thesis, but more than that, it lays all this heaviness down, all these like big things to think about. You know, then we see the video for the song Leningrad. It's easy to forget that's another one in Billy Joe's canon of, of journalism songs, you know, those character sketches kind of thing. And it seems like just the first few minutes has already culminated in the Leningrad video. And what's great about that is that little like overture really lets you sit back and enjoy the tour diary. It sort of gets all the heaviness out up front. And now we can just watch and we can just like be a fly on the wall instead of having these things in our head the whole time. Well, how are they going to address it? What were they thinking about? Like, we know. Now let's get to the people. Absolutely. And it's worth noting that these are actually two separate parts. Uh, This prologue, as it were, was a brand new piece that was filmed in 1991. The original documentary to follow originally aired at the end of 1987 on, I want to say it was ABC in America. Uh, that's the best of my recollection, but it aired on national television and was a standalone piece. And they married the two for the home video release. We go to Russia with the band. There's a, a montage of sort well, not quite a montage, just a series of shots and some footage, sort of like cultural, sort of final wall, what things were like in Russia. And what's funny is that the band is isolated. It keeps jumping back and forth between like, you know, the people in Russia hanging out, you know, in the square, on the street and home, whatever else. And then you just see the band sort of sequestered on stage in this empty room. And it goes back and forth a couple of times. And then the translator comes in. So it's sort of like that's the moment where, where both, both sides of this meet. And the original montage that sets it all up is set to the music of Vienna. It's kind of ominous when right before the first show, Christy says, it's very quiet out there. Don't get thrown. Yeah. Because everybody's just sitting. <laughs> Obviously, we know that like Billy went over there in part because, you know, other bands were approaching, couldn't make it happen. But you almost wonder, like, is Billy Joel the, the best ambassador for rock and roll? Like, would it be the Stones? Would it be Bob Dylan? Just in terms of stature and longevity, you know, by the 80s, although obviously Billy was huge. Those 60s guys, the guys that really grew up the genre were were sort of in a lull at that point 
you know, what's great about sending Billy over is two things. First of all, his music is so stylistically varied that the audience gets a good review of like the last 30 years of American music. And number two, he's so melodic that you don't need to hang on the words too much. Like the, the melody is there. Behind the Iron Curtain, the arts were actually very important. A lot of kids took a lot of music lessons and they really knew how to play and they really understood music. So they probably had a little more to chew on than if they sent over even the most energetic three chord blues rock band. Billy was the right balance of enough of an edge for the kids to get excited about, but safe enough to not scare the Russian establishment. So I think he was just the right balance that was going to work. I'm glad he pulled it off because as he's got on to talk about, it was very expensive to make it happen. And you get paid in their currency and you couldn't take it out of the country. It was essentially a loss, which is why you have these documentaries and the live albums and everything that came on the heels of it was just to try to recoup. It was an undertaking. And this was kicking off the era of a lot of stresses in Billy's life. You know, this was a big financial stress going into finding out about Frank Weber, going into mm-hmm. having to tour to recoup his money from that. And then his marriage, you know, falling apart. There's just such a series of stressful events that this is kind of one of the first <laughs> documented <laughs> ones of that era. Yeah, that's true. This, uh, you know, coming off the bridge, which is already getting a little frustrating. Uh, for now, the frustration in terms of the documentary is this super duper quiet audience. Obviously, this is the sort of thing that the comedy is based on, but it felt like an episode of The Office. It felt like, you know, he was almost like Michael Scott, like he's doing this, all his antics, and everybody's just like deadpanning him, and he <laughs> keeps cutting away to these. Like, like talking heads with him where he's like trying to justify what he's doing. <laughs> I'm waiting for like Liberty as Jim Halpert to like turn and look to the camera and do the shrug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like one good. That's what she said. So it was like right around the corner somehow. <laughs> right. That's what she said. <laughs> a couple stray observations is uh, Mark Rivera looks so young here. I like that they, they cut to a woman with uh, like really modern punk hair when it says uh, new fashion honey and, uh, and yeah. still rock and roll to me. But they break open and the talking head like shifts from him seeming like he's almost going to be justifying this dud performance to him. Talking about like, oh, and then I saw pockets of people cheering and clapping and getting up in the corner and then that sort of spread. And, and then so yeah. he decided to, to get out in the audience for the longest time and that kind of broke it open. Yeah. You know, there's one thing I caught too, you know, knowing what we know now, there's a scene before the show starts of Billy's backstage. If you notice the guy come up to him and say, Can you do it? I don't know. Till I get up there. That was Frank Weber. Ah. You know, knowing what we know now, but about some of the things that were transpiring, probably at that time, just seeing him by his side, knowing what was going on was just a little uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, right. But at any rate, so that ends the second vignette. We call it a scene. And now this is what I really like. It jumps to Billy and the band and some Russian men singing a cappella in what looks like an, an old castle. You know, not only is the music very different, you know, the, the Russian men are singing, uh, I'm, I guess we would call them old Russian, the Russian folk song. You know, not only is it the juxtaposition of, you know, like the most state-of-the-art sound system and then down to like its most primal raw natural acoustics no instruments it just reminds you of the different functions of music we're not singing in this room to get up and dance or to sell tickets it's not a commercial venture at all it's it's this sort of communal the feeling of everyone singing together hearing it bounce back you know just just being caught up in the in the rapture of that i have feelings about billy going to swing low sweet chariot it's sort of an odd choice. <laughs> the way the film, they jump back and forth between the Georgian singers doing their songs to Billy and the band doing the doo-wop and swing low and all that. I would love to see the more uncut footage of that just to see really how that transpired. Like, I wondered if the Russians knew Swing Low Sweet Chariot off the top or if there was a moment where they kind of sat and said, this is how this goes. Here's the chorus. Uh, and again, this is in Tbilisi in Georgia. I do love at the beginning, too, how they show uh, Billy and Christy at the farmer's market, just meeting the locals. Felt like a farmer's market in 
any country, any any city. Um, just people right. doing their, you know, getting their produce and just a sweet interaction with an old man. I, I, I dug that. But yeah, back on the uh, the Georgian singers, the uh, the song that they end up ending on during that sequence was Odoya, which is featured on the live album. Swing sweet now we get to essentially the most dramatic part of this is culminates in the uh the iconic let me do my show for christ's sake piano flipping which i still want to see the full footage of i don't care <laughs> whose door i have to knock on yeah i want to see the whole long song. island certain mr john jackson we put you on somehow <laughs> you owe us <laughs> private screening if you if you don't want to give out the footage <laughs> right you know it's, it's kind of a punchline now but just to see the whole thing in context you know i mean you can cut that very, very carefully so that it, it appears to be like lightning in a bottle. It appears to be this this big thing. But, you know, we also don't know if it just went on so long that it got crazy. But that's a, a still a few minutes away here. And what I think we really see here, at least in his mind, everything that leads up to that very frustrating moment. You know, just making a tour like this happen was already a stressful situation. You know, when he was first announcing at concerts that he was going to do this, people were booing him. At his yeah. own show, there was already that going on and figuring out what the cost was going to be to bring the band, the entire touring personnel and staging, all of that as the cost starts to add up. And, and ultimately, you know, him being an ambassador to Russia, to Russia on behalf of America, that's a lot of pressure. So before he even sets foot in Russian soil, there's a lot at stake. And yeah. he's clearly feeling it. But, you know, you don't see that in a lot of this because he's, he's happy to be there. And, you know, you wonder if it was sort of as compartmentalized as the shows and then everything else. You know, like are the shows like uh, almost the afterthought to this with all these different experiences. Like he said, it's just another show. Like he's played a lot of concerts. This is the first time he's been to Russia. What do you think is actually more interesting to him? And so we start to see some evidence of exhaustion creep up. Over these uh, next few sequences, the Georgian singers invite Billy and the band down to the opera house in Tbilisi for an impromptu jam with some of the musicians. And it was going to be just a you know, low key fun. And like today here, when a, you know, a band announces a secret show, word spreads. And this is pre-internet, mind you. It seemed like a decent sized opera house ended up being packed with people expecting a Billy Joel concert. And Billy and the band are there with some equipment, but it's not their own gear. So Billy's trying to perform through this house PA that isn't dialed into his needs, but it didn't stop him. He was going to go all out. One of the things I loved about the Opera House sequence, though, was the pre-performance where the band members are just meeting fans on the stage, signing autographs and doing things like mm -hmm. that, <laughs> you know, like. Liberty trying to have a conversation with this Russian woman who clearly doesn't speak a lick of English. Right, right. That one woman. And then <laughs> I like the one comment where the one woman to him was, uh, excuse me for my English. And he's like, your English is just fine. You're better than people I know at home. Excuse me for my English, please. Your English is just fine. You're better than, you're better than uh, people I know at home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, it kind of cuts when it goes to that house party afterwards. You just see Liberty there, like with almost like a creepy look on his face, just like everybody else is dancing, and he's just like looking around. And it's like, why didn't we get our like Liberty and Billy sitcom? You know, I know. <laughs> Seriously, 
him just standing there awkwardly is so prominent that it took me a few watches to realize that some of the other guys in the band are sitting around him, but I didn't even notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just see, uh, you know, six-something-foot-tall Lib. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty funny visual. And so after that, we see the tension now starting to mount. Yeah, because, you know, you can see, uh, as he's talking to people at this party, he's like, I'd love to stay all night, but I have to go soon because I'm, I'm, I'm so tired. I need to sleep. You, you could hear already his voice is going, and he's just, you could tell he's worn out. And he's like, I got to sleep. I want to I wanna soak it in, but I've got to go to bed. You can already see those seeds kind of being planted there. And it was quite an interesting thing They because they throw from that back to Moscow and they cut away from the party to a quiet plane with everyone just passed out sleeping, except for Billy and Christy. They're still awake because Alexa's singing yeah. the alphabet to them. Yeah. Which yeah, is so now he's really not getting any sleep. Yeah. <laughs> It was backstage and he says, I'm, I'm getting overloaded. Like he's starting to feel it already. I'm getting like, the overload. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how about that great, great edit where like that poor journalist got such a bad rap in this freaking film. Man, if I was him, I'd smack that there. I'd find him. I know. So, so there's, there's like the gaggle of press, right? And Billy's trying to answer and he says, but I have to conserve my voice. You know, every time I do these. It's kind of killing my concert. <laughs> yeah, it's killing my concert. Because, you know, every time he answers a question, he's using his voice. He goes, it's killing my concert. And this guy goes, well, with that in mind, let me ask you one more question. Now, I understand. I understand. That's like, this was probably supposed to go on another half hour. And the guy's like, all right, we're going to we'll wrap it. it up. Let me just get this, this last thing. Right. Let me just get my one wrap up. The way they cut is like, uh-huh. That's nice. Let me ask you one more question. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I uh, Jen, my wife, she was in the room when that scene was going down. She's like, oh, that looks bad. <laughs> yeah. That's not a good look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. What a, what a terrible edit. I like, I, I'm totally with you, Jack. I bet you, I bet you he had a, you know, another half dozen questions and he's like, okay, you gave me the signal. We'll wrap it up with this. He's probably trying to get the good quote to end the story with. Yeah. You know, make sure he gets that. Poor guy. Billy, I got one more question. What's it like being in Russia? Ba, 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 ba. Thank you. Thank he you. gave me my conclusion, you know? Yeah. <laughs> How's your throat feel? Feels like it hurts. Are you ready for the press? Uh, when do you want to do them? As soon as you're ready. Yeah, but if I'm dressed for the show and I'm doing interviews, it's like a show in itself. By the time the show starts, I'll be a wreck. I'm like overloading. Yeah. I'm beginning to overload. Please stay on this side. Wait, let me ask you an answer. How has the audience been responding to you? I understand you had a surprise when you were downstairs. In Georgia, down at Tbilisi. We set up a little jam session and it turned into a concert, which kind of ripped me up because it wasn't my PA. I couldn't hear my voice. Like, I've got a sore throat. I'm just running like ragged, which is why we're trying to keep these things short because every time I say something, it's kind of killing my concert. In that case, let me just ask you one more thing. Cinematically, what's nice is it then goes internally. He's sort of talking about how he writes songs, what it's, go, what it's like to perform them, things like that. And then he talks about like being in the dark at a concert and why, like you know, you get you get more into it. And they show this guy in this vulnerable moment where it looks like he's almost like just crying, like out of pure catharsis from the music. And I was thinking the same thing, like this poor guy too, like he's having a moment and it's it's being filmed for posterity. And Billy Joel says, like, yeah, you want to be in the dark when you're at a rock show. You're gonna look right. goofy. You're gonna do something. You don't want. It's not something that's supposed to be seen in the harsh light of day. There's the title card of Moscow. So now they're back in Moscow, which is what we've been talking about here. It shows Billy and Doug backstage. Uh, Billy's at a keyboard with a, you know, plugged into an amp. And Billy's starting to sing Big Man on Mulberry Street. Doug is sitting next, standing next to him. Billy's just not able to hit the high notes. His voice is just going out anytime he tries to go up. And Doug says to him, he says, well, that's Pete's anyway, right? Like basically yeah. saying like, you're still okay, right? Because mm-hmm. Pete covers that. And Billy says, yeah, but I yeah. can usually hit it on my own. And then there's like a three second pause. <laughs> and Doug just goes, so you want to do She's Always a Woman or what? <laughs> I don't know. It just, the way he delivered it just made me laugh. Are we doing Stonehenge tonight? <laughs> right. <laughs> and Billy just says, uh, I, I'll know what's going on as I go through the show. What do we start in about two hours? Yeah. It was going to be some game time decisions because his, you know, his throat was just killing him. Why can't I lay low? 
Why can't I say what I Get myself into some boring routine Why can't I calm down Well, that's pizza anyway, right? <clears throat> yeah, but I can usually hit it on my own. So you want to do she's always a woman or what? Uh, I'll know what's going on as I go through the show. We, we start supposed to start in two hours. Actually, the best thing to, for me to do would be to relax. Yeah, that's it. And he's tearing it up, you know, and the kids are getting into it, so you know he's in his element. And I wonder if he sort of regretted that later, like, you know, in the moment it was like you had to do it up, everybody was into it, but you're about to pay for it, put you over the edge kind of thing. I love his explanation for flipping the piano i mean i feel like everybody knows the flipping of the piano right like if you don't know what we're talking about yeah go to youtube i'm we're not going to do the play-by-play of the classic yeah let me do my show for christ's sake like it's out there right right well piano wasn't very expensive <laughs> it's not very expensive <laughs> yeah that's when you know you're doing well when you're not worried about it yeah yeah <laughs> yeah right it's like, ah, it'll be fine and then it's like oh it's that's the point of rock and roll which like now it's just like ah come on like we've been that's a, a lot out. of crap's been justified for a while. I mean, I guess maybe it was different back then. Rock and roll was still like less than 40 years old. Right. Rock and roll wasn't quite middle-aged yet, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'll briefly mention the 2014 documentary, which we'll, I'm sure we'll do down the road as well, the the new one. Director Wayne Isham, who did the concert, he's you know, he basically says, come on, Billy, you overreacted. Right. <laughs> like at the end of the day, he's like, come on, seriously. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and that was right after it happened too. Like, of course, he's gonna he's gonna justify himself. Oh, right. Well, they got him on now. All right? Yeah, I just got Who's a little going on? The I house lights. It wasn't them. It was our own people lighting the house. Yeah, it does, these people want to be in the dark, man. They want to. They're the tired show. of being watched. We're making a film. Yeah, I understand. And we have to light the audience to show the audience to make to make the film. And I said, please don't let the lights. Stay on for too long in the audience. Let people be in the dark. My feeling is, especially when I'm in an audience, I like being in the dark. I don't like feeling like I'm going to have neurosurgery performed on me. I'm going to take control down and hold on my emotions. Stop lighting the audience! I said, I yelled, stop lighting the audience. I think some people thought I was saying, stop fighting the audience. Why does it always seem to hit me in the middle of the night? The height? Stop it! Told me there's a number I can always dial. Let me do my show, for Christ's sake! And the lights stayed on, and the lights stayed on, and the lights stayed on, and I was trying to get a message across, turn the lights off. No, I was mad at whoever's lighting, the, the audience. Let them alone. They don't know what to they do. Felt, they know yeah, they're going to be filmed. They know they're going to be watched. Let them be in the dark. That's when they get excited. It's just a fantasy. It's not Sometimes a fantasy. It's a small piano. It's not very expensive. Oh, it's my way. Of, no, it's my way of signaling my guys. Hey, can I please get your attention? I've heard it's been interpreted as a tantrum. It's not a tantrum. The point of rock and roll is outrageousness. Now, also, I heard people thought I flipped the grand piano. That would be a temper tantrum. And I came all the way here. I don't want our own people ruining the show. Sorry. I feel so much better. You know what I liked about the next moment? So, uh, first of all, I, I really like, like, the deep backstage stuff. Like, who is it? Like, Russ is in his underwear at one point, like, in the dressing room. Yes. And you see him getting, you see Billy go, going in to get ready. And then they have, like, that outdoor sort of, like, backstage setup area where they just, you know, the kind of debriefing. I mean, they were super, super casual and super relaxed with the cameras around. So he's in this little backstage area and, he, and he's, you know, he's, he's justifying and he's arguing. He's like, what? That just went wrong. Show was going horrible. Like to him, this was like an abysmal failure. You know, like everything was going wrong up to that point, and I didn't want to do it, but I had to do something. And he walks out, and he just everybody's cheering. Nobody else thought that. 
You know, I'm right. not. I'm not saying that wasn't what he was feeling, or he didn't have a point. But it's like the audience never notices that sort of thing. Like no. you feel like you're bombing way before they do. So yeah, I always wondered about that footage of him coming out. It's like, was that really after that show? I, you know, or was it just conveniently sliced in as an interstitial? But I did want to touch real quick on the, you know, the backstage setup as you mentioned. So mm. there's the more formal dressing room, like with the, you know, with doors and couches and mirrors and like the a true dressing room in one of the scenes. Yeah. I think it was Billy and Christy talking. They mentioned something about, it's like something like a five minute walk to get to the backstage. So these dressing yeah. rooms were not close. So that's why there was that partitioned off area that you would see immediately before and after the shows. That was kind of like a secondary backstage for the band. So that's why you're seeing those two different scenarios. I find this to be one of the most puzzling transitions to go from the quote-unquote tantrum during sometimes a fantasy to Vladimir Vysotsky's grave. Yeah. Very stark transition. That part was actually kind of the most uncomfortable part for me in this because it was weird to see Billy essentially upstage this memorial and then almost look like the dictator, like he's the one in the car and everybody's coming up and trying to grab at him, you know, it was a really like as humble as he is in this whole thing. And, you know, obviously he didn't do it on purpose. Like he went and he was asking what's going on, but you know, all of a sudden these people who made this pilgrimage on the day that Billy Joel showed up, all of a sudden it's about him and not this memorial. But then they immediately rehumanize him version with that rendition of honesty where he's like, it's just him. And it's like super ragged. Yeah. You know, you could tell his voice is feeling it. That was the perfect spot to put in that performance and that was at the music ring which was that russian tv show i think they handled it as delicately as they could have but it was still a little a little strange certainly i was wondering how like wherever he went people knew where he was i mean obviously they're not going to show you three hours of footage where nobody recognized him and they're going to show him the moment somebody's like oh it's billy because i'm sure it was big news that he was there right you know, but everybody, you know, like he didn't seem like he could sneak a, sneak away anywhere. Everybody immediately knew it was him somehow. It was that kind of big deal, I suppose, but it does seem a little um, edited. Yeah. Because how, you know, how long were they there? They may have been there for like an hour or two. You're only seeing 25 seconds of it. And then we get into the creepy ass circus music, which I love. And did you recognize that piece? I won't even edit it to make it sound like <laughs> I did. What was the piece? <laughs> Nunley's Carousel, which would later appear as a piano piece on Fantasies and Delusions. 14 years later, it uh, found a home. I have to go back and listen to that now. nothing alluding to any of that in the credits or anything like that there was zero indication that that was a piece of original composition by billy and then of course not even on that whatever he played was like a pipe organ or something right where did that piece come from then i mean or that recording he must have been messing around somewhere on it there has to be some sort of recording that exists of that could have been somewhere in russia it sat down on a pipe organ and did it and obviously they have it recorded and they use that it's possible and just be like well this fits yeah, that's something I'd like to investigate further, because to me, that's kind of fascinating, because this was still mm. a ways before Billy was done with the pop career. And you already have this piece right. that wound up in a classical song floating around in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know he saved riffs and stuff, but that's uh, that's really sticking around for a while. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> It was yeah. in the vault. Yeah, that's what makes me think it must have been like a specific pipe organ or 
piece, you know, instrument that he was on yeah. while in Russia was like, oh man, I want to hear this piece on this thing. Someone's got to know. But you know, they might not because if nobody knew what it was, I'm sure he's just always riffing. Yeah. Uh, we're the ones, and especially you, you're the one that's so eagle-eyed or eagle-eared that you're catching this stuff later on. You know, for everybody else, like it's their job right. in that sense of like, they got other shit to worry about, you know? Right. They're not watching this documentary 20 times. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's like that would have been a question back then of the editor, one of the editors be like, okay, where did you get this audio from? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to know if it was recorded there or if like they pulled, uh, they pulled some audio from like a session somewhere. Yeah. Something I might dig around a little bit and see if I can figure out because to to me, this is kind of a, a little fascinating thing that not too many people seem to be hip to. Yeah. That, that's a good Michael Chestnut right there. <laughs> That appropriately transitions to the Gorky Park Circus, and we get introduced to Victor and his brother. You tend to get this idea that Russia was like behind the times and this and that. Maybe sometimes it seems like that. Maybe not with the kids that they could show like in punk clothing. Um, you know, that's that's what a circus looked like even in America yeah. in the 80s. Yeah. You know, they don't look like that now. Don't they? they do them at like arenas and stadiums, and it's just not the same as right. them rolling into town with the, with the, you know, with the big top. Right. Yeah, to me, to me maybe it seemed like you know, five years behind the times, maybe, you know, it's like, you know, when I think of like behind the times, I think of Cuba. Is it, is it Cuba? I'm trying to think where like, you know, you'd see all these 1950s cars and like all these things. It's like frozen in time in a way. Because they had that, that abrupt shift that late, like after all the technology. And if there is any reason for any component of society to be quote unquote behind the times, I'm sure it was mostly, um, economical you know they didn't have the the luxury and the means to uh have the latest and greatest there was no trade right you know they, right. there was no commerce between the east and the west so basing that on animal farm a little so you know, <laughs> <laughs> extrapolating from that book and i love here how you have billy talking with victor and his brother meanwhile you've got this other guy at the circus uh tried to get christy on this like like this like high pole or something like that they've got her on the standing on this thing and they're lifting her up and you hear her like shrieking and like getting scared and nervous. <laughs> Billy's just carrying on <laughs> doing his thing. <laughs> you know, by all accounts, Christy Brinkley is pretty intelligent, you know, well-spoken, very perceptive. Yeah. You know, it's easy to think of like, oh, she must be a ditzy model. She's a blonde. You, it makes you wonder how often we mistake exuberance for stupidity. And do you know what I'm saying? This is, this yeah. is going to be edited very carefully, but like if it was just, Billy's wife, and it wasn't a model. You wouldn't come in with that sort of like little bit of toxic cultural baggage of, well, you're a model, you must be dumb. Right. Right. And then you're seeing her like, why did I, yeah, and this and that, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, you come to find out, you know, through time, you know, she did the painting on the front of River of Dreams, you know, another interview. She, you know, she's obviously very with it. Very smart woman. Right. Exactly. So it's like, and then you go back, you're like, no, she's actually just a happy person. Like, yeah. she's excited. You know, whenever Exuberant. you see her, she's it's just, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I just I just found that like something I had to like kick myself about. Like, you know, you're an asshole, Jack, right? Like, you know. <laughs> well adjusted people don't don't automatically think like this. I found myself thinking of that as well over, you know, interviews and hearing her talk about things. It's, she's just a, a very passionate person and excited. It's a shame that we've all been conditioned over the years to have those preconceptions and when more often than not it's not true. And I guess what better episode to bring up something like that? Than the one where they meet all the Russians and realize they're not monsters. Right. You know? <laughs> they, absolutely. Uh, so speaking of not monsters and my horrible transitions. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of horrible transitions, <laughs> right? In Russia, show transitions you. We've been recording 48 minutes and that's the first wow. time I did that. That's amazing. Wow, that's pretty good. <laughs> Put her in H. Uh, I don't know when I get, get like a deep Simpsons reference. I don't know if it's the lag or if it's like your internal filing cabinet trying to find it. I, it's usually that. Later, you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah. So so we get to Only the Good Die Young. And this is one of the few times I actually watch it. Because like, as we've said about this with a couple of these concerts, it's like, they're great songs. They're great in concert. If I'm sitting watching YouTube or I'm watching it on my laptop, like, great. You know, it just doesn't translate the same way as it does live. Mm-hmm. Good to have the documents, but whatever. This one, they must have felt it in a different light. Like, you know that some of these moves are, it's not that they're staged, but they're worked out. Like, Mark knows when he's going to walk over to the piano. He's got, everybody's got some basic things. It's a big damn stage. 
they're not taking a risk on whether or not they're gonna like come up with something to do that night. They know, you know, they have their bits right. that they can run through. Even we can tell, like it's it must feel fresh because it's in front of people that have never seen this happen before. You know, not even anything kind of like it in that sense. So that that made it feel fresh even to watch. And sure enough, right after it, you know, Billy show Billy says, I'm enjoying the show more now than I have in a long time. If you had been going through the motions a little the last couple tours, this has got to feel completely rejuvenating. I love that too. He was finally starting to fall in love with it again. Taking an audience for granted, audience taking him for granted, you know, combination of both of those elements maybe were happening mm. other, in other countries, but to play for such a new audience that had never been exposed to something like this, you can't not get excited about it. It's just not possible. Right. And then we have Billy backstage here with Victor. Right. Going through some photos. I always want to know what was on that photo where like Victor looks away. I know. And Billy's like, this is my heart here. And yeah, Victor gets super shy. Was this this the time where, because Billy had a different translator with him. It wasn't Oleg. Oleg was just kind of like cashed out in the in, <laughs> on the couch next to them. But he was like, I'm right, off the right. clock right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're done now. <laughs> and so our next transition away from the uh, backstage with Victor, you've got uh, an acoustic guitar playing Imagine, John Lennon. I dug that. And that's a way, you know, you could get away with using it without using the actual song. It's cheaper mm-hmm. to license. So that was that was really interesting. But I liked it. It's perfect, though, as well, because it transitions into Billy um, with a group of like rock and roll fans at the park. They're kind of in a scrum, just all talking. Billy notices one of the guys with the long hair has a John Lennon T-shirt on. Billy gives the guy his uh, St. Christopher medal. Which is, I thought was right. a nice touch, gives him a little gift. But uh, there's in this scene too, as well, too, you have this, you know, you've got these young rock kids. And I tell you, some of them, I'm like, yeah, I could see you at a Megadeth show. You know, I could see you at a, you know, whatever. You know, it's like, yeah, they look like right. rock kids. But you have this woman who basically was talking about how, you know, rock and roll is the shame of our country. <laughs> and Billy's <laughs> like, yeah, that's what they said about me when I had long hair. Yeah. Basically, like, yeah, nothing changes. Don't worry. In 30 years, the guys with the long hair will be like, so-and-so is the shame of our country. Cardi B, (laughs) the Russian Cardi B is the shame of our country. Yeah, But when when Billy comes back with that, like all the (laughs) rock and rollers start clapping and cheering. So he's like, yeah, it's one of us. (laughs) After that scene ends, we transition into uh, Vladimir Vysotsky's mother's house, where Billy gives a really beautiful... I'm assuming off the cuff speech and toast mm-hmm. to her son, which I thought was, right. you know, where he says, I saw your son's grave. And when I asked the people who were there, why were they there? And they said it was because he spoke the truth. So he wanted to, you know, give a toast to the truth or something along those lines. Yeah. But I thought it was a really nice moment. As they're finishing up the toast, um, you know, they've all got their shot of vodka. And as they're finishing up the toast, you can hear Alexa kind of start to, get fussy and cry off camera. And I thought this was a really cute moment too. They cut to Vladimir's mother trying to entertain Alexa. <laughs> she he, she had, grabs like a spoon and is like hitting in on things to make some noise and just try to calm her down and entertain her. I'm like, oh, it's, to do with yeah, the kid, like. it's grandma. <laughs> now we're doing this. Yeah. After they leave the house, they do another mm. title card of Leningrad. So now we've moved from Moscow to Leningrad here. And... Billy and Christy again are on the street and they run into a couple kids and I think they take a photo or sign an autograph, something like that. And you have one of the, uh, one of the Russians says, you know, we'll write to our American friends that we got acquainted with Billy Joel. <laughs> and the one guy's got his, uh, is, is like American girlfriend, right, right. the Russian version of Canadian girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was cute. Yeah. I, I, I like that. Uh, I like those off the cuff meeting people kind of moments. So anytime anything like that is in, yeah. I definitely enjoy that. But yeah, then they cut from there to uh, Billy, you know, Billy and Christie's hotel room with Billy on the piano and Alexa sitting on top of the piano. And uh, Billy starts playing his Alexa mm. Ray song, which was a copyrighted song. So right. he he did have a song called Alexa Ray for a while that was copyrighted. Um, so he, he does this kind mm. of like a bluesy boogie kind of song. And um, then he goes into yeah. doing the times they are changing on piano. But Alexa clearly at that point is not interested. <laughs> Um, because she just toddles out of the room <laughs> as he's playing. She's like, "I'm okay. I'm done. It's not my name anymore." <laughs> like, <laughs> you want to say Bex? A B C. Try A B C. Here we go. A B C D E F G H I J K L M N O P Q R S T U V W X Y Z. 
And then that's where they cut to the next sequence of the music ring. Yeah, it's a it's a fun way to sort of set up that he's going to do the times they are changing. Like it just you see him wander into it on the piano and then do it later. I I kind of like compare this scene when 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 they're at the Vladimir's mother's house, and it's notable to me how not cocky he is in both situations where it's anybody would fall prey to to, to being a little big for their britches. That toast could have been just right. a hair too self-aware and and you know the mother be like it's actually my son like yeah. not like something for you to t-. you know what i'm saying but like he 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 wrote that line and then you know and yeah that billy gets a little cocky he gets you know he likes to he likes to hitch up his britches sometimes and uh and and, right. and survey his 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 kingdom and you would think that this is the moment he's going to do it but he really doesn't uh you know same thing as being very genuine you know we know that he likes to workshop his jokes Think about that when he has to redo the pacing of them and rethink them. You know, where is he going to stop to let the translator do it? You know, how much more is he going to like do the smack thing right, so people right. know exactly what he's talking about? You know, because they all got it. And my father, ah, you know, like, but everybody, you know, yeah, was exactly. close enough. Everybody knew what he was talking about. <laughs> yeah. It was fun to see him do what Billy does, where he'll take a classical piece and do Billy's version of it, and so to jazz it up a little bit. That was fun to watch. Another really nice version um, of the times they are changing and quite an interesting choice to include this on the live record as well. There's some deft editing too, you know, on, on concert where it sounds like it could have been at the show. Like they did. Yeah, some nice, they blended uh, it well. Crossfading there. There's also that moment here where I think it's while he's still singing times they are changing. where They show like a punk, like a, a punk kid and a peace sign at the same time. Really getting artistic with the messaging of the song. Cleverness. After the times they are changing, we go into some audio of the ballad of Billy the Kid, the studio recording, because it's from a radio broadcast. And you have Dan Near, who is a famous DJ from New York, who has interviewed Billy and the band numerous, numerous times over his career. I've got several Dan Near interviews over here that are quite good. And so it's a Dan Near broadcast uh, where he says it's Billy Joel mm. weekend in New York, and they're doing a simulcast of tonight's concert. Broadcast all around the world. After the Dan Near audio, they show the band backstage gearing up to go on stage while Rhapsody in Blue is playing. Then they head through the curtain and up on stage and you hear Billy introduced back in the USSR and they go into that. And visually, we're seeing a full video montage of Russia while the band is playing. And what's interesting about it is some of the footage that they've used only exists in this vignette. You have some of these divers uh, some underwater shots and things like that that appear to have been filmed while they were there, but only exist in this short two-minute Beatles cover. <laughs> and like, the, you know, the band uh, in the showers and all these uh, little scenes that are only used here. Yeah, it just seemed like the, the song that, that you could just do this quick montage of things that doesn't have anything to do with anything else, but it's like, where else are you going to see it? None of the, the footage really tied into the other you know narrative of the documentary, but it was things that happened. This is a good place. You can just tie it all together uh, yeah. in one little package for right. sure. So the song finishes and then they cut to an empty arena with uh, a woman on the stage picking up the strewn about flowers that were left at the end <laughs> of the night. And I believe you see all the front seats are just like destroyed. Like right. mayhem ensued. It was like a rock and roll show. That is another moment where, like, you just—I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it's if you can actually say it's like sort of a, a a subtle nod about class of like you know this guy just comes in and does this thing and somebody's got to pick the roses up off the floor. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I got roses, and it's like you know, somebody's right. got to clean that up, Billy. 
You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I did find that interesting because, you know, in America, you're going to have local stagehands who are hired in the union, do the whole bit. It's like professionals who do all these things for the living. Like that's their gig. But then it just seemed like, yeah, like in Russia, you have this old lady <laughs> on the stage <laughs> picking up the flowers. I, I kind of took it more of like, and it's something that like you see a little bit of in other, in other spots here, just that like, and then there's silence sort of thing. Oh, yeah. 20 minutes, a half hour ago, this was like, you couldn't hear yourself think. And then all of a sudden, there's, it, you could hear a pin drop and somebody is, is cleaning off the, the refuse from the celebration. Someone, you know, myself, you know, had played in bands playing much smaller venues, but also toured with bands, have done a lot of theaters and even an arena or two. The difference between encore and 25 minutes later is insane. Yeah. And I love that they documented the like the after effects where it's just like so quiet and you can't believe what just took place. Yeah, it's like a completely different place now. And that's about where he says it's just another show. It was somewhere in the, I, I I jotted it down, but I don't have it in sequence. Yeah. I guess it was right before that. Yeah, right before I think so. Because after back in the USSR, you had the, the woman picking up the flowers and um Billy's sitting there backstage and tries to do a woo and he's all frog, nothing. Yeah. And you could just tell he's like, no, he's like, I gave it all away to right. that. <laughs> he was spent, completely yeah. spent. Um, but then they cut to what feels like sound check, and mm -hmm. it's the band on stage in street clothes. And they go into what's probably one of my favorite versions of New York State of mm -hmm. Mind. You could tell this was near the end of the run because the band was just ready to go home. It just felt like a little homesick. This was yeah. the homesick song. Right. It was just like thinking about home. Some folks like to get away, take a holiday from the neighborhood. Have a flight to Miami Beach or to Hollywood. Me, I'm taking a Greyhound on the Hudson River Line. I'm in a New York state of mind. Hey, Mom. And I like how when it ended, the music just kind of dies down, and then you see Billy look over at Liberty, and Liberty goes, Oh, I forgot about that. Just does the big, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then Billy just kind of chuckles and nods. funny little little moment after this though is when they cut to backstage before the final show mm. and i think this might, might have been where billy's like let them come out of their seats no, i need them and he's like you know barcavero's like it's the final show we're gonna be home real soon mm. peter hewlett wants to say a little something and pete is just like playing stone face yeah and mark <laughs> is like slapping his face pete Come on, right, Pete. Right. Come out of it. <laughs> and we see something that, that got teased i guess he did it twice or maybe this was from the first show when he goes out in the crowd for uh, the longest time. First of all, it's funny because some moments of it are clearly videotaped. It's clearly VHS. And like, I just get nostalgic seeing that, that sort of like blocky footage. Like I remember oh, yeah. stuff that looked like that. You know, that looks like a, looks like a uh, bootleg. That VHS footage is Christy. That's her video. Oh, camera. okay. So they spliced in Christy's side stage footage. And that's why if you, sh if you see, there's a couple reactionary shots of, Pro cameras showing her reaction with the camera on her shoulder. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, that's her filming those shots. You know, I saw Springsteen do this in um, 2009. And, it, you know, I, I think he had he had it a little more dialed in. You know, he was like, no, you got to send me back to the stage. And he did it. But it's so it's so funny to watch. Like, he's still singing. And I, I'm, I'm going to assume that, like, I don't know if this is actually the same audio, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, 
they sort of don't miss a beat. Jack, I watched that closely too, and I really think it is. Yeah. Right, the same audio because I'm watching where Billy's struggling with his hand and then he switches. Uh-huh. Like you see, hear his voice waver just a touch at that moment. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's the right audio, which is amazing that he's continuing to well, say. Well, even, even Mark, because Mark is like motioning with the microphone in between lines to get him back right. up there. Yeah, Billy just keeps getting further and further away. Like <laughs> at one point they grab onto his shoe and they just, yeah. he just like slips out of the... <laughs> they're going further back and then you see a bunch of people like stage guys like run up on stage it's like all right we got to get him back right now. and then the, that guy gets up on stage and billy lets him stay there for the end as they're getting ready to finish the tune you see this kid like climbing over people to get to the mm-hmm. front suddenly he's like pops up and he's on stage like i don't know yeah. how this guy jumped up there that quick you know if, if you're gonna do it you, you're playing your path if you're that yeah, kind of person. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then Mark, Mark like almost like tries to like not let him up. Not, you know, just kind of puts his hand out, just make sure that I think, yeah. I don't know. I wonder if it was more like that or if it was more like if he's going to like stumble forward, like, you know what I mean? Like he's not going to, yeah, he was almost over. protecting himself in a way. Like he didn't want to get run into. Yeah. 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 In America, that kid <laughs> would get dragged off the stage in two seconds. Like, oh yeah. You, you just see him just get like knocked sideways. <laughs> right. And, he, and he's gone. So here he gets up to Billy and Billy has the wherewithal to put the mic in front of his mouth. Right. (laughs) And he speaks in Russian. Obviously, none of them understand him. And Billy's like, whatever you say, babe. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And then you hear Mark start laughing like a hearty laugh, which is so funny. And what I thought was genius is like Oleg Smirnoff, the translator, he's seeing all this go down Mm -hmm. and he's like, okay, clearly this guy's up here. He has the wherewithal to corral him over to his side and put his arm around. So it looks good. It's still, yeah, but it's under control. Pro move. Like, amazing. Like, I was like, wow, that, like, he handled that so perfectly. And coming out, we have another transition with Vienna playing once again. So to me, that signifies we're getting near the end of the documentary. And in fact, we are. But now it cuts to the airport as everyone's getting ready to leave. There's a cute scene between Peter Hewlett and... Oleg Spirnov. I think it was Peter Hewlett. They were basically just saying, you know, we had a great time. It was awesome. Oleg is wearing Billy's jacket. And so I think it was Pete. He says, and you came away with the baddest jacket, man. Yeah. <laughs> they had a nice laugh about it. It was cute. Yeah. And then they show um, Billy and Victor saying goodbye. And just, you could just see the heartbreak on Victor's face. Like, I don't know what to say about it. It's, it, you know, it was such a genuine thing that it's, it's almost hard to fathom that, you know, two people could just like kind of all but bump into each other and, and then just, just hit it off that deeply and strongly uh, for a couple of days where it's like, man, this is going to be a real bummer when you're gone. You know, it's, I don't know. I think yeah. you got everybody, myself included, just needs to look back at, you'll find something like that. You know, there are the, those moments are far and few between. And it's sort of amazing that this moment was documented. Yeah. Not only on this, but also in song. That was, you know, the true cornerstone of this whole documentary were the relationships. People embracing people. Billy really wanted to show people that in America, especially that, yeah, our governments may not like each other, but there's really good people over there. And I want to connect with the people over my music. The fact that at every turn, people were absolutely embracing Billy and the band and the crew was just absolutely beautiful. So hospitable. I mean, I believe Liberty once said, he's like, you know, they had nothing to give but their love and they would give it at every chance they had. Like, the, you know, the yeah. scenes in the audience where you see Victor kind of grabbing his heart and throwing it, that motion, mm-hmm. like yeah. giving you my heart. And right. just like, that was the perfect poster boy, so to speak, of Distillation, the, the yeah. people they, yeah, exactly. So essentially there you have it. Yeah, you wrapped that up quite nicely, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. So tell us what you think. <laughs> All right, yeah. <laughs> so let just, us know. Just like put the hand in front of your face and like, wipe it away. <laughs> yeah, you know, if you haven't seen it, I think this one got um, lost a little to time, especially with the new one that came out. But it's uh, definitely worth watching. Much better than it could have been. It could have really been a toss-off kind of thing but it it worked out very very nicely you know a lot of footage that you have to remember that people wouldn't have seen i mentioned this when we did the watch party i came across this uh facebook page called called soviet visuals which was just um it was like a documentary about synth somehow and it became that you know whatever so i just get these random photos from like the soviet union from the 50s through through the 90s or through the 80s that wasn't around back then so this was people's 
first glimpse. A lot of people's first glimpse on, on what was going on, you know, halfway around the world. Very well done. Still resonant now. A tour diary, but much more. And it struck an excellent balance between those two. Kudos to the director and the filmmakers here. Essentially, they're going there to document this tour and document the experience. But they found the through line and really what the storyline was of this Russian tour. I really think they did capture it beautifully. Yeah, they definitely did. Do you agree? I think it's time for you guys to do it, to tell us. We did the heavy lifting already, so now it's on you. Who's seen this? We know people, at least in the Discord, have seen it recently. So you all are welcome to chime in at any given point. And then anyone else, you know, email us. Do you, you know, your recollection of watching this either when it was broadcast Later on, years later, a little while later, uh, who remembers the announcements that Billy was going over there? What were your thoughts at the time? Uh, and so on and so forth. We were youngins at the time. But we didn't we didn't have much of a dog in the race at that point. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that too, because you know when this documentary first aired in 1987, the main documentary, I was eight years old. And when this came out on VHS, I was 12. At the time of first hearing about it, I was so young that I didn't have the preconceived notions about, oh, Russia is a big, scary monolith. My first experience was it was like, wow, these people love the music. That's so cool. I just thought it was great. But having the hindsight of history and going back and examining the climate of the time, it really gave me a new appreciation for the film and how pivotal it and the tour were. Yeah. So, I mean, with that in mind, too, if you haven't watched it in a while, get a hold of a digital copy, watch it, and then get back to us. And you can email us at glasshousespodcast at gmail.com. And we're all over the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And as Jack mentioned, we've got a great Discord server with a uh, ever-growing and very active group of folks uh, who love to talk all things Billy. Uh, we have great spirited discussions. We have really fun monthly watch parties. Uh, it's a lot of fun and it's a it's a great way that we're able to keep engaged with you all outside of these podcasts every two weeks. That's a lot of fun. So those are certainly some places you can connect with us. And you can also go to our website, glasshousespod.com. And that's kind of a one-stop shop that has links where you can subscribe and videos and things like that. And if you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please uh, remember to take a moment and give us a positive review and five-star rating uh, every positive review and five-star rating is tallied just like santa claus apple podcast sees you when you're sleeping and knows when you're awake <laughs> and uh puts you in the note of your nice book and uh i tell you what matt i took a quick look at our stats i think we're in the nice pile because we get a lot of traffic from apple music or from apple podcasts and you know speaking yeah. of santa claus santa claus got me this vhs tape oh christmas of 1991 it was under my tree Santa Claus was pretty hip, huh? Yeah, he knew. <laughs> He's like, another Billy Joel? All right, kid. So that's it for us this time. Great chatting for you. Michael, always a pleasure chatting with you. You as well, my friend. And we'll see you next time. We'll see you soon, everyone. Thanks. I thought we made a lot of mistakes, but th that don't matter. Yeah. It felt good. People love yeah. I was making clams left and right. Did you see the soldier jump up on stage? Yeah. yeah. I saw Boomer throw him off. Too. That was it. He just walked him off like he wanted anybody else. Now I know he dragged her <laughs> in the dirt. Yeah. It says, Billy, you con you've conquered our hearts. And there was, uh, there was another one. Uh, Billy, what does this say? well done. Billy, you've, you've conquered, conquered our, our hearts. That's what she said. Or he said. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.